and listen, this is uh, my last show. I, I think probably yours too. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Hello, hello. This is Brock, and I am joined by none other than P Dog Pep Cariotti. How are we doing, Pep? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, was on uh, CKCU this morning, and we plugged the uh, plugged the podcast pretty good. Oh, yeah? uh, Jeff asked me an interesting question. He says, uh, "If you had advice to give to people who want a podcast, what would it be?" And I I suggested, uh, you know, the first things first is uh, come start a podcast with a game plan, like. Have uh, have your show plan ready so that you're organized and that your thoughts make sense and really that your podcast doesn't go for three hours when it could be <laughs> broken down into an hour. So it was a good question and uh, it was a fun time. It's been a good morning. How about you, buddy? I know you had to work this morning. You took the kids. Yeah, I was at the office, uh, brought the kids in the work. Work, I use air quotes today because it was really uh, <laughs> just to bring the kids in, give... Uh, give my wife a little bit of time home alone in terms of uh, getting some last minute wrapping and stuff without the kids in her hair. And the kids had a chance to, to come and see the office and um, fortunate enough to work with uh, my brother-in-law. So uh, one of their cousins was there as well and um, do breakfast. And anyway, they think working at the government is phenomenal because all you do is go in, there's candy dishes everywhere. Everybody's got lights on their cubicle. <laughs> They're handing out uh, food. We're going for breakfast so that's what they think I do now. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it'll be a harsh well, reality, but I'm not going to break that just yet. <clears throat> they got they got 15 to 20 years to uh, just let that uh, let that thought be in their head. That's right. So it is Christmas Eve for uh, those who are listening, and uh, we yeah we just came off of uh, our big year Christmas party, Beermas at the Endicotts. Yeah. <laughs> It was quite the evening, uh, filled with uh, some nice drinks, some food that came way late in the, in the evening, and uh, karaoke. Yeah, we. Had, wow, you surprised me with your uh, with your rap ability, Brock. Uh, that was impressive. <laughs> and then you threw in a dance, too, a little hip thrust. That was an edge coming out of coming out of nowhere. Boom, coming out of nowhere, throwing the Lizzo out there. Yeah, she. Uh, oh man, the the whole room was rocking. <laughs> It was hard to get you off the mic, though. So you had uh, you had a couple of good ones going. Uh, I mean, Africa, the rendition of Africa was great. I have a bit of a video of that, too. So uh, oh, I should probably yeah. put that up on Instagram, maybe. Uh, I have my go-tos, but there was a lot of, like, Pierre, do this one with me. I'm, look, I don't know this one. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but you have to do it. No, I don't know this one. I have my go-tos, okay? Africa, uh, maybe a hip song or two. Mm-hmm. Um some pogues that I didn't get a chance to get to because the ladies uh, decided to take over the mic. And, uh, and that was cool. It was fun. It was a great time. Thanks, Scotty. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was a very, very fun evening. Um, it made for the early morning hockey game that Jackson had to go to. Um, difficult to get to. But yeah. we did. And, uh, and it was all, again, it's the holidays. If you're trying to get, catch up on sleep on the holidays, it's probably not the right time. Everybody's busy, family time, friends time, and that's what makes it great. Yeah, and listen, this is uh, my last show. I, I think probably yours too. 
uh, until the new year. So we got a lot to talk about. Jeez, you had me We're worried try for and a second. Get to it. Pardon me, sorry. You 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 made me very worried there for a second. I thought you were just my about last- to announce <laughs> like that was it. I'm like we're done. This is uh, my last show. I'm out of here. No, it's uh, we're done. Like it's we're going to be busy the next few days, obviously, and then uh, of course next week is New Year's Eve, and then I'm back to work. So we'll we'll likely come back on the airwaves the week of January sixth. Um, we'll record there, but we're going to take a week off or I'm going to take a week off. Brock, if you have anything you need to add, uh, while I'm, while I'm away, by all means record, maybe bring on Mike or something. If, if you have the time or if you want to, but yeah, I will be, uh, away for a week and a half and coming back at you with Brock on, uh, the week of January 6th, we'll probably record something early that week. So well, it's well-deserved, uh, take your holiday. You're, you're very hard worker and you're uh, you're pulled in so many different directions so it'll be really good for you to relax and and uh and take some time for yourself so um all right so we've covered beer miss hey the other thing too anybody any listeners out there we have some pretty big fans apparently but if any of our listeners are uh website developers we need a landing page uh i was talking to somebody and they were showing me how it should be set up and it'd be way easier to do that so if we can get somebody who knows they're doing, uh, give it a hand. That'd be fantastic. Talking about our biggest fan, shout out to apparently Mark. I'll uh, <laughs> save his last name instead of putting it on air. But uh, at Beermus, uh, Mark came in. I think he had a head start on most of us. But he was very uh, complimentary of our uh, podcast. And, um, yeah, between uh, his compliments, the uh, hot pepperoni stick breath, and uh, his enthusiasm... It made it pretty exciting. Yeah, man, Mark, I appreciate it, man. That was you had some very kind words, and uh, you were quoting us. Oh, man, yeah. that was pretty. I didn't remember half the stuff that we said that you were saying. So, uh, thanks a lot for listening and sharing. I know that you're a big advocate of the of the podcast, and you're you're a fan mm-hmm. of ours and a friend of ours too, which is really amazing. And you know, you every time I see you, you're always super kind to me, and I I, I can't thank you enough. And I know you're good friends with Brock and. You're big into the football and hockey communities, and uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Let's get on with this episode. Uh, you want to start us off with some Raptors talk? Uh, or Blue close. Jays? A- NFL. Oh, I'm completely lost. Hey, it's Christmas. NFL. Give me some more eggnog. <laughs> NFL, uh, it's winding down. There's one week left. There's still... I believe in the AFC, there's one position remaining to uh, to be determined. In the NFC, I believe it's the same thing. It's the uh, that, uh, NFC least. It's just a disaster. Horrible. The Cowboys, by some miracle, still have an opportunity to win the division and uh, and oust the Eagles. But in the AFC, we've got the Tennessee Titans basically controlling their own destiny with a victory. They'll grab the sixth seed. Uh, Pittsburgh, even if they beat the Ravens, they would, I think, because of the uh, conference record, Pittsburgh will be out. If Pittsburgh beats the Ravens and Tennessee loses to uh, the Houston Texans, then Pittsburgh, again, by some miracle, will get that six seed. So it doesn't matter. They're going to get pumped by Kansas City or whoever they end up playing. Um, it's not going to be pretty, but hey, who knows? Uh, they're hurting. Uh, Mason Rudolph has just been put on the IR, so it's Delvin Hodges again. I I can't believe they're going to go with him. They have Paxton Lynch on their on their roster. They just picked up a practice uh, squad quarterback from New Orleans, T.J. Barrett, I think his name is. Um, so they're hurting huge. Connor is out again. 
We mm-hmm. talked about James Conner at the beginning of the year, and I, I questioned his durability, whether he could last a season. Clearly, I was right. Um, he can't. He's out again uh, with a, a bum thigh. He's having an MRI w- to determine whether he'll be out. Uh, he can't last a whole game, let alone a whole season. So there's some problems in Pittsburgh. Juju Smith-Schuster is completely invisible. So they've got some issues. And then I read a report yesterday morning that Ben Roethlisberger is not uh, optimistic about his career. Um, he hasn't thrown a ball yet uh, since his injury. And uh, there's concern that because he hasn't really reported on his injury status, that it's not necessarily going well or it's not healing like they thought it would, or it's healing normally, but he's just a 38-year-old quarterback with 16 years, and that's it. So yeah. there's some issues in Pittsburgh. I I, I kind of want to see Tennessee make it because Pittsburgh's just going to get beaten the first round anyway, and I think Tannehill gives Tennessee a better chance to advance to the next love, next um, stage in the playoffs, whereas Pittsburgh doesn't matter who they play. They're going to get killed in the first round. So um, my NFL take today, Brock, and I wanted to get your opinion, there's been some disappointments in the NFL this year, two major disappointments and a bunch of minor ones. Uh, I'll start with the minor ones first. I, I, I think the jets have been a, a, a disappointment because they spent a ton of money in the off season. Uh, they picked up Levy on bell, CJ Mosley. They've been a, a, a disappointment. The Rams made the super bowl last year. They're not even going to make the playoffs this year. I'd have to, I'd have to include them in the list of disappointments. The bears, again, a playoff team last year, a kick away from moving on. They've missed the playoffs and they've haven't looked very good. I thought the Raiders would have a better year. Um, mm-hmm. They're still mathematically in it. Yeah, they they is... need a bunch of stuff to happen. Uh, they actually needed a bunch of stuff to happen this week, and it did. They checked off the five boxes. Again, if the same thing happens this week, they can sneak in the playoffs somehow. Uh, the Falcons, I think, have been a disappointment, although they've won four in a row, but it's too little too late. And then the good old Lions. Um, you just You just think this is their year, and it isn't. Oh. And it's been, and it's painful. Start but off so what I want to ask you about, Brock, sorry to cut you off. I want to ask you about the two major disappointments, the Browns and the Cowboys. Out of those two teams, A, who's the bigger disappointment? And B, what went wrong for each of them? Uh, the Cowboys are the bigger disappointment. <clears throat> that's, uh, I don't even think it's close. And that's because the Cowboys have had this group of people together for a while, have been on the cusp, have had success, have had, um, you know, all these indicators that they should be taking that next step. They just haven't. The Browns, on the other hand, have, have put these real big names together um, over the offseason, but that it, it hasn't been a team for as long as the Cowboys have. Um, not to mention... The gentleman at the helm, you have Garrett, who's been there for a tenure, where Kitchens, it's his first year. You got it. You have to, as disappointing as it is from a Cleveland Browns fan standpoint, I'm sure, you have to cut them a little bit of slack in that area. Um, what went wrong with the Cowboys? <sighs> That's a tough one. I think a lot of it starts at the top, to be honest. And I think it's just a. Um, I don't know. I don't know if people aren't necessarily buying into it, if they're not catering the system to the strengths, if, uh, um, you know, that's why it makes the cowboy situation so polarizing because you can't really put your finger on one specific thing. Why are they so bad at times? And other times they can look really good. So that's where the anomaly is. It's not just a, you know, a gong show from the get-go. These guys 
go out one week and they'll look really strong, but then they they come out the next week really flat or and it, and it's really hard. I can't put my finger on why the Cowboys are not doing better than they are. I really can't. They're not in a division that's it's overly strong. I mean, the fact that they they have seven wins is probably a testament for the fact that the Redskins and Giants are pretty bad this year. You know, I, I just I don't know why the Cowboys aren't doing better on the Brown standpoint. I think that comes from cohesiveness. Cohesiveness comes from um, you know playing together a bit more, having guys buy into the system, buy into the team, and uh, you know all the discrepancies or uh, things we're hearing out of the locker room would suggest that they haven't reached that point yet. So it's a matter of the all these superstars buying into the system that Kitchen's putting together, if they ever do. Now, is there? I mean, I, I, I claim the Browns and Cowboys to be the biggest disappointments in the NFL, but is there another team that you think is a bigger disappointment that I've listed off for a wild card team that you think you expected more of and didn't? I expected uh, way more from the Rams. You know, again, they, they put a few extra pieces together. They had, you know, an offseason to get girly healthy and they were going to load manage and, um, you know, they're off, they, got, they had injuries, though, on their offensive line. Their offensive line really took a step back. That was one of their strong suits last year. And the, again, cohesiveness between the five. And, yeah, they were older, but they were working together great. And uh, that's what separated them last year. That's where I think the biggest thing went for the Rams this year was in terms of an offensive line standpoint. But they have so many weapons. They had that experience, that taste. Um, so I really expected more from the Rams. I think that was probably one of my my biggest let uh, letdowns Lions, same thing, but I'm, I'm not surprised about it because it's happened, you know, year in, year out. Um, yeah, that would be my, probably my big, my biggest disappointment in terms of surprises. The other surprises is the, the Niners being where they are. And to be honest, the saints, when breeze went down, the fact that the saints are still in that kind of position, I think are, are very uh, much on the other spectrum of being really good surprises this year. Yeah, and I think what we can do in the in the next podcast is maybe discuss uh, you know positive surprises versus some of the disappointments here. And uh, you named it the Niners. I think I think every year there's one team that really just sort of you know comes out of nowhere. I thought last year the Bears uh, playing as well as they did with Mitch Trubisky. I thought they they were the this year's Niners. Um, they've taken yeah. a step back. I I, I don't see that happening with the Niners next year though. Like they are well coached. Um, now they have weapons with Sanders and uh, Samuel on the on the outside, but George Kittle might might be the best player in the NFL. If Lamar Jackson wasn't having the year he was having, I would have to say Michael Thomas, George Kittle for MVP. Like those Christian guys, McCaffrey. Are, you know, if we're not going based on record of a team, Christian McCaffrey's done everything. Yeah, yeah. There's another guy. I, I don't see a lot of them. Right? They don't. I, Carolina never gets any TV. Uh, certainly from. Uh, my cable package. Um, Did you know the, that Christian, who Christian McCaffrey's father is? Ed McCaffrey. Oh, you knew that already? I didn't know yeah. that for some reason. I yeah. didn't put the two and two together until I saw uh, like a special on McCaffrey and then the three boys playing. And yeah. Anyway, yeah, fairly impressive. Ed McCaffrey was uh, a real, like a war, like kind of came out of nowhere in, uh, in Denver, but he was a, a hardworking guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, I, for, I forgot. I don't. Like I get all the TSNs and all the sports nets, and then uh, you know the NFL plays a game on Fox, CBS, and and uh, yep. CTV. Carolina's never on, so I don't think I've seen one of their games this year. I would like to see him play a bit. Um, 
Do you think Cam Newton comes back next year? Comes back, yeah. Not to, uh, sorry, specifically to Carolina? Yeah, I think initially, you know, you think when Kyle Allen was playing fairly well that, no, you move Cam Newton and get him to uh, another suitor that might uh, use him and, and ride with Kyle Allen, but he imploded. Um, and then, you know, the other guys that came in, that uh, the ex-skater there from West Virginia yeah. uh, who played this week. Uh, Greer. Greer, thank you, Will Greer. Um you know, what the, these just aren't the guys that are going to do it. So if Newton's happy and you can get him back and, um, you know, playing the way he's supposed to play. So I found he was more effective, and especially from a Christian McCaffrey fantasy football owner, it was great because Newton wasn't relying on his legs as much as he was dumping off the ball because he was hurt. If he can bring that mentality back in where he can pull the dump off a little bit better because he does take way too many shots. Same with Lamar Jackson, but Newton's been doing it for way longer and there's no penalties on him. Anyway, we could talk a whole episode on, you know, quarterbacks getting away uh, with flopping where other quarterbacks are taking lickings like crazy. Yeah, Newton's a guy who set that bar pretty high where refs are just letting people take liberties on him. He needs to dump it off a bit more. And if he gets his mind right, I mean, he's, yeah, I would, from a Carolina, I would want him back for sure. Well, there's going to be some teams next year that need quarterbacks in, uh, you know, by all accounts, Tampa Bay is again, maybe franchise tagging Jameis Winston for another season. Uh, there aren't that many quality starting quarterbacks uh, available next year. Um, so, you know, maybe, and by the looks of things, and I keep harping back on Pittsburgh because I, I'm, it's a miracle they are where they are, but they're, they're going to need a starting quarterback, if not next year, the year after. You know, Ben's going to see out his, his last two years of this three-year three year deal, and I'm 92% sure he's done after this. I mean, I can't see him coming back. So Pittsburgh needs to think of a contingency plan. Cam Newton's not that old. Um, does he have a lot of miles? Yeah. Has he taken a lot of hits? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, in the right system, he's got a cannon for an arm. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. Are but we seeing a transition an- from the NFL from a quarterback standpoint? All the top, like, okay, from a fantasy standpoint, so the, the production, all the top 10 guys all have mobility and running ability in their, their makeup. Is that a transition you think you're going to see continue through the NFL that we're going to go back to these kind of dual threat quarterback? Not even back, but more geared towards it, a dual threat quarterback than, say, the traditional pocket passer the NFL has been known for. It's a great question. I think Steve Young started the whole idea that, hey, you could be mobile and break the pocket and cut the field in half and make it simpler on yourself if you're a running quarterback. Um you know, that, that was 25 years ago. So if teams, teams have just been afraid to commit to that kind of quarterback, I think that's where the case is. I, I think it just, teams are just like, well, look, we, I want a guy that can take a, a, a shot, shotgun snap, have a decent, a decent enough footwork to drop back three steps and get rid of the ball. I don't want my quarterback taking it. So I want him to do it for 15 straight years. Like those quarterbacks don't come, they're a diamond. They're not a dime a dozen. Like uh, they're those, that's a rarity. So the, the, the flip side is you get a mobile quarterback who can do a little bit of both. Not the best pocket passer, not a, not a great runner, but not awful at either. There's a lot of those kind of guys out there. Mitch Trubisky fits that bill. He's not a great pocket passer. He's not a super great runner, but he's good at both. So NFL teams can live with those kind of guys if they surround him with enough talent. But do I see the NFL 
moving towards pure runners who can throw a little bit? I, I don't know, man. I don't. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> Lamar Jackson is, a, is not a good example because the the kid can throw too. The kid has a good arm, but you know he's an exceptionally fast athlete. Do you see some of the cuts he made oh, on Cleveland Brown defenders the, all year, really? But the mix, mix, mash up or mix up, mash, mix, mash, whatever video you're going to do of of Lamar Jackson all year just breaking ankles would be insane. It is. I don't know. It's like he deceives them, yet he's quick. And it's like a combination of deception and quickness and speed. And he's toying with guys out there. He did take a couple of big licks yeah. against Cleveland. But uh, anyway, I, I don't I don't see the NFL transitioning quite yet. I mean, I, what's Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow is more of a pocket guy, but does have the ability to run. Most okay. kids it's- in college now have that ability. Like, you got to be able to. If you don't see it, you got to make something happen. Versus a guy like Cousins, you watch the last night's game where he goes back, doesn't see it, what happens? Sacked. Even Rodgers doesn't seem to use his legs quite as much as he used to. You know, and, and that's that leads to it. The amount of pressure you get, especially from these outside rushers, these edge rushers are getting paid millions of dollars to be that specialty. They get upfield quick. They do the contain. If a quarterback can't step up and then take advantage of maybe a lane that's there now because the guy's gone and say, you know what, I'm going to make you pay by... You know, getting six, seven yards, I just think it's, it's, uh, it's a feeding frenzy for these guys. So I think, again, I, don't, I agree with you. I don't know if the NFL is ready to take that step and say we're transitioning to that because I don't know if the systems are ready to be transitioned into like a Baltimore type thing where that system is really uh, around Lamar Jackson and his skill sets, which I love. But until all the other teams are ready to do that, say, you know what? We're going to get a guy in here, and now we're going to tailor something around him. I don't think you're going to see that yet. Well, I'm going to think. I'm thinking about the AFC alone. I won't even go into the NFC because you got Russell Wilson there. But uh, if I look at the AFC alone, the the New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans, and Baltimore Ravens. Three out of those four quarterbacks are mobile with good arms. Right. So you you might be onto something. Who knows? Anywho, why don't we take a quick break? That was a interesting segment. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little Blue Jays and then end off this uh, Christmas Eve special with uh, some hot takes and away we go. Right on. Jingle bells. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So the Toronto Blue Jays, wow. They finally spent some money, some big money, the biggest money they've spent since Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Martin. <laughs> Uh, big contract for them. That's big money. Four years, eighty million to left-handed starting pitcher, runner-up for the Cy Young in the uh, National League. Uh, young Jin Ryu, great pitcher. Uh, not a lot of velocity, but uh, but supreme command and a lefty. So that's going to come in handy. I don't remember the last time they had a significant lefty not named David Price. Uh, four half, years, eighty mil. Great the last signing, lefty. Jay Happ. Jay Happ, yeah, sure. The Jay Happ. Yeah, Jay Happ was uh, underrated for the Jays. He, him and Pete Walker go way back. So, you know, his uh, Jay Happ always credits his success to Pete Walker. I would have liked to see Happ uh, reunite in, in Toronto this year. I don't think it's going to happen. He's still under uh, contract with the Yankees, but there was some trade talk. Um, so, looks like the fans have done a 180 on Atkins and Shapiro. They've really, really, really upgraded the depth on their pitching in in a span of two and a half, three weeks. 
I think people forget they picked up AJ Cole uh, and Anthony Bass. Of course, they got Kay and that uh, the kid Woods for in the trade for uh, Strowman last year. Um, they've increased their depth. You know, they picked up Tanner Roark, who was going to start, is going to be their second or third starter. Chase Anderson, again, second or third starter. You know, they've got a ton of options now. They, you know, we haven't even mentioned Trent Thornton and Barucki who, and Waggis Pack, who I thought pitched really well last year. Uh, you know, they've got guys. Nate Pearson is going to come up probably in July. Maybe not this year at all. Depending on if they start, if the Jays start hot, they may not need to rush Nate Pearson to the majors, but he throws 106 miles per hour. Uh, he's going to be a stud. They've got Alex Manoa, who is a couple levels down still. He's going to be a stud. He's another big guy with a, with a lot of firepower. I mean, Matt Shoemaker, who got injured early last year, but was started off really well. He's in the mix. They've tendered him. So he's, he's in the mix for a, a starting position. I mean, things look pretty good and I don't think they're done spending. I think they still, they, they would still like to get another starter and fill up, fill up their DH in center field. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion comes to mind. Cole, Cole Calhoun just signed with uh, the um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, so he's no longer an option. Uh, but they are looking at other options for center field, um, low cost, obviously. But what do you think about what the Jays have done in the last couple of weeks? Is it enough to say, hey, to give Atkins and Shapiro a, a bit of a break? Because they've been ridden pretty hard the last couple of seasons. Um. <clears throat> I don't know if we're at that stage yet, but then again, I wasn't at the stage where I was, I was looking for their, their heads. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't, uh, I gave them leeway. I am, was patient. I understand that sort of where they're coming from. Um, and I look at the Cleveland model. And so you kind of knew what to expect. I got to say the, uh, Ryu signing the, the four year was 80 million was, uh, yeah. It's an interesting sign. He's a very good player. There's like a no trade clause in it and a no option clause. Anyway, it just, when I saw it, I, I had to think that I thought it was too premature from a signing from a Blue Jay standpoint um, and sort of out of characteristic of what I was expecting from our management. I thought it was a bit more, you know, like they thought we're ready here and now. And I, I just don't know if we are at this point. So for me, I, uh, and then the no trade clause was the other aspect where I thought, well, it just seemed too early to go after a guy of that, uh, that stature or that, uh, ask, I guess, more than anything. I, I haven't really seen him play a whole lot cause he was in LA, which, you know, I never watched the Dodgers. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just, everything else to that point, I liked, they were kind of not journeymen, but guys that, that have potential of coming up and and contributing uh but they didn't they didn't cost a lot so it was kind of like you know let's build as much of the the pieces as we can around and then when we're ready to take that stab you know it's uh two three months in the season and we're rocking and rolling and we need to go get that david price or that whatever like we did a few years back we have the money to do that I just don't know if um that's that was the biggest thing for me where I just didn't think that that fit the uh, the plan that I was uh, getting used to seeing. So I was a little concerned about that. Everything else to this point, I really like what they're doing and I trust them. And 
you know, again, when you when you come off a season where you're seeing those young guys that were easily on the table for trade bait for other big stars, which from a fan standpoint, if you don't see uh, Vladdy G play, if you don't see uh, uh, Bichette and Biggio and you just hear them in the minor leagues, you want a guy that you see every night on major league tel- on major television. You say, you know, I want a guy like that because I, I see him. I don't see that. I don't follow the minor league stuff. But then to see them come up and say, you know what? I'm really glad we didn't get rid of these guys because they're young, they're explosive, they're fun to watch, they're key contributors, and guys that will be around for a while. You think, you guys did the right decision, so I trust what you're doing. And uh, so far, I, you know, I've, I've trusted them. Yeah, uh, you know, and the, their minor system isn't depleted. They, they've still got a couple of third-generation guys, you know, ki- um, kids of their da- of dads who played in the majors who are going to come up. And, you know, you look at their the core of their lineup, which is uh, their two catchers, Jansen and McGuire. They seem to be set there. Teams are always calling about them, actually. Uh, Gurriel, Guerrero, Biggio, and Bichette. I mean, you're pretty much set. And now you just picked up Travis Shaw, who's going to be your everyday first baseman, for pretty much the same cost as Justin Smoke, except he can play third as well. He When he was with the Red Sox, he played third. He was uh, a 300 hitter prior to... Just take, he just took a tumble last year. And no one can really explain it. The Jays are banking on him to not hit a buck 92. But prior to that, he had 20 homers, 100 ribs, batted 300 for four, three or four consecutive seasons, um, including, you know, Milwaukee and, and Boston. So if he can even, like, get halfway back, you know, 250 with 15 homers, it's going to be better than what Smokey provided. And uh, God bless him, Smokey was a great guy for the community, but mm-hmm. he was a one-trick pony. He was... A first base or DH, that was it. Slow as molasses on the bases. Um, power, he had one year where he hit 38, and then last year he hit 20, but he hit. He only batted 202 last year. We need guys to get the bat on the ball. And Smokey just struck out all too often. And uh, I He's think that was clutch, the, the book on it. Like, he did have some pretty clutch moments. Like, if it's down in the bottom of the ninth, and you have guys on. Smoke was a guy I felt pretty confident in when he came up. Like, that's where he seemed to shine to a point versus a guy like uh, um, Grichuk. Grichuk hit 30 homers, but they all came they when, all came at the like end of the year. Up you know, eight points, yeah. and you're getting, you know, a, a guy throwing you a fastball that's just get out of here kind of thing. I just felt like it was, you know, the numbers don't necessarily indicate it, but I, I don't know. I always felt comfortable with Smoke coming up, and he was a switch hitter, you know, so you can, you know, play around. Anyway, I like yeah, Smoke. Yeah, no, there, look, there was, there was, yeah, there were, and a lot of people are, are uh, expressing that same sentiment. You know, when you see a guy hit 20 homers and only have 50 ribs, that's a red flag for me. And uh, batting only 202, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see, I didn't see enough from Smoke to be confident that he's going to come out and be a solid contributor at the plate gold glover on defense and maybe he just needs to change the change of scenery too like there well, it could it. be a number of things and he had a, you know a, he split time too a little bit like he wasn't he didn't play as many games as he did the years before and baseball yeah. is a streaky sport right so if you're sitting for a while and you know you don't get into that groove that's tough to do yeah absolutely no and i, I again by all accounts he was a great guy in the community i just thought I was. I actually hoped that they didn't resign him. Not not because of anything more than just. I think both teams needed a a, a clean break from the old regime, and uh, I, I it's going to be good. And I really, as, as I say, that to sign Edwin Encarnacion, thirty homers, a hundred ribs between two and a half teams last year. 
hitting 244, which is really what he's done for his whole career. He's got power. The fans would love to see him come back. He was a huge fan favorite. You talk about clutch factor. I mean, other than Bautista, you know, he was clutch. And he's Ugh. got some stuff in the tank left. He's not, he's not, like, clearly, 30 homers is no joke, you know? Yeah, and I'd love to see Double E come back. Doesn't mean I have to buy another Parrot. Yeah, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the only negative part. What's your thought on David Price? Uh, can the Jays, A, can the Jays figure a, a trade plan if uh, if Boston agrees to eat most of his salary? Uh, I think they just, Boston just wants to get into the luxury tax. I think that's where they're where they're at with this. They're just, they're paying hand over fist with uh, with luxury money. Then do uh, it. They need, they, yeah, but like, what, what, what could, what would the Jays have to give up? I've just named off a ton of pitchers. Um They'd have to give up at least a pitcher in return, but I haven't even mentioned Shun Yamaguchi, who they who they signed out of Japan. He led the, the Japan League in wins the last three seasons, so that's another guy that the Jays picked up this offseason. Uh, what can I say? There's they've they've stockpiled a, a serious amount of like mid range starting pitchers. Uh, maybe one of them entices the the Red Sox enough with a, a couple of low tier prospects. Yeah, I mean, if they're looking to dumping it, it comes down to dollars and cents. Take advantage of it if you can. I like Price. He seemed to like Toronto. But, yeah, what the Jays are doing, they're, they're basically, you know, they're trying to, to find that uh, diamond in the rough by just snagging a bunch of guys, and, and hopefully a handful of them pay off. And you say, okay, it was worth it. Absolutely. Wow. Well, at this point now, uh, I don't know who they're uh, who they're talking to in terms of a center fielder. But as it stands, you know we've got Derek Fisher and T. Oscar Hernandez. They want to see what they have in Fisher, I think. So I can't see him going anywhere. T. Oscar might be trade bait for somebody. Uh, he does have power, but he's all you know. He strikes out way too much. So there's the Jays do have some flexibility still. Uh, Brandon Drury, I think, with the Travis Shaw signing, that might lead to his departure or just a lesser role for Brandon Drury. But they seem pretty set everywhere else. I think they're going to go with Grichuk. They're going to go with Gurriel in the outfield. Looks like uh, Bichette and Biggio in, in the infield with Guerrero at third. And the first baseman, I think Guerrero and Shock interchange. So they're just missing a really a DH and a center fielder. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I love what they've done. I'm excited for the first time since 2016, 2017. I'm really pumped for what they've got and what they're doing. It looks like they're actually moving in the right direction. And by spending money on on Ryu, who's really, he was a Cy Young, he, he finished runner-up for the Cy Young. Mm. So the kid, low, lowest ERA in the NL, you know, 15 wins, no joke. I'm All pretty right. excited about him. And he won't and have Nate to bat, Pierce, so he won't have that? to hit. As an AL pitcher, he won't have to hit. So he can I mean, just focus on that. There's so many advantages, I think. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, for sure. Like, anyway, it's going to be great. Um, there's our 15 minutes of Blue Jay talk. Uh, I know it's, you know, December and uh, we're just coming off the one of the coldest snaps in December history. It was ice cold. But uh, it's always good to talk a little Blue Jays because, hey, spring training's around the corner and then March, April is when the action happens again. So uh, we'll, we'll catch up with uh, your brother-in-law, Mike Pignat. Um, Pignat? Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, it's good. Pignat. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. I, you know, it's important, I think, because people screw up Cariotti a million times. Uh, <laughs> you don't, which is always good. 
So we'll talk Blue Jays with Mike uh, in the upcoming weeks as they uh, as free agency continues. And uh, why don't we take a quick break and Brock, you'll bring us back with some super quick takes. Super quick takes. Here's a real quick take. Marshawn Lynch just signed with the Seahawks for one I year I saw deal. that. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see what happens. I like it. All right. We will be right back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, All right, so as I mentioned, Marshawn Lynch just signed a one-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks to help their backfield issues this year and hopefully with their playoff push. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, well, they have no choice. They're all precise. Carson and Penny are all – Carson. Carson's on the IR. He's done. Yeah, I think so is precise. I, I don't know what Penny's status is, but he didn't play. He hasn't played, so – they literally needed somebody <laughs> like they don't have any bodies. So to go out and pick up Marshawn Lynch, I think is brilliant. Um, I don't think they pass to their backs that much. He's got decent hands, but he'll probably know the system. I would imagine it's not very, not very different from what he, uh, what it was before. And there's a little nostalgia there. So it might give him a little bit of a boost of energy through it, through round one and round two. But my concern is that he has, he signed, I think late last night, early this morning. I'm not quite sure, but what are we yeah. talking about here? Two and a half days to practice, and then a game, and then playoffs. So, what kind of shape is he in? You know, yes, he likes Skittles. So, if uh, <laughs> this is a true story, it, it may not be great. I heard he had uh, he interviewed the Seahawks before taking the position too. Interesting. He had, he had a few questions for them. Uh, I think really? They went, yeah, uh, fourth and one from the goal line uh, at the one. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, oh, ouch <laughs> yeah exactly anyway um whatever kudos for seattle hopefully uh lynch i mean he passed the physical if he came in extremely out of shape i don't think this is even on the table yeah. um and you know that's not the only guy they're bringing in they got practice roster guys and guys that are gonna pick up to to help but uh marshall lynch is a big name so yeah. Um, good for good for Seattle. Uh, hopefully he does well. I like uh, smart move. Smart yeah, move. I like seeing that. Um, so you want to touch real quick on the uh, Raptors comeback win? Yeah, they came back uh, from thirty points the other night. Now they played last night, the night after. So they looked uh, by some miracle. They looked uh, they looked exhausted last night, but by some miracle, they they went into overtime with Indiana, and in overtime they they lost it. But they're playing the they're playing like kids. You know, Boucher, the Montreal yeah. kid, is playing a, a lot of minutes. Um, Malcolm Miller played a lot last night. Patrick McCaw, who doesn't see the floor, so these guys are are playing because they're out. Siakam, Powell, and Gasol, and I believe none of those guys will be back for tomorrow's Christmas Day tilt. Uh, versus the Celtics. It's unfortunate because um, they finally get a Christmas Day one that we don't get very often. And to not be uh, a full roster or at least one you can look forward to to really seeing, is gonna, it kind of sucks, but hopefully they can pull it out. I was just going to say, you know, like the one time we get some pub and and uh, half, literally they're two superstars, Siakam and Gasol. Anyway, um, Raptors coming back 30 points against the Dallas Mavericks a couple nights ago. Uh, that's the biggest comeback in their franchise's history. They've been bigger in the NBA, but that's the biggest in their franchise's history. And what's more impressive is they were down 30 in the third. So it's not like they, you know, 
It's not like they were down 30 in the second and had, uh, you know, they were down 30 midway through the third. So it all happened in the fourth. I think they outscored Dallas 48 to 13 or something crazy like that. Before, Lowry went yeah, crazy. Um, hard to do uh, in any sport, really hard to do, but exceptionally hard when you've sort of been playing at 80% for the first three quarters. You're down, you're looking at your bench. It's all young guys. You know, could you imagine the the confidence that Lowry and Ibaka must have had looking at the bench saying, oh, God, like, what? <laughs> we got to yeah. bring guys li- right off the uh, G League roster and come back by 30. And they came back. And Dallas, uh, you know, is a good team in the West. They were out uh, without Luka Doncic. But, you know, Porzingis went off and they had some they have some good player, good quality guys on their on their team. But uh, impressive comeback by the Raptors. That gives them more confidence when they look at those younger guys moving forward too in a normal game situation. So that that is all positive things from a team unity and, and guys stepping up now. So that's great. For sure. 30 points. What do you think is harder to do? Come back 30 points in a basketball game or 30 points in a football game? Oh, for sure football. Because basketball, you know you're getting a shot up within 24 seconds. It could be sooner if you create a turnover. In football, you know, if you have an offense and you're and you're – your offense is rolling. You're getting three, four, six yards on each play, on each run. You can kill clock at 45 seconds each possession. And uh, it's it's just much harder. It's just much harder. Uh, in football, you're down 30 in football. That would be the equivalent of, like, being down 60 in basketball, I think. So, really? yeah, I'd okay. say football is much harder. Um, I want to mention to you uh, the Raptors – you know, it's just uh, by attrition. They may need to look at a, a bringing in a free an F, a free agent, an FA right. who haven't been signed. A couple of veteran guys still floating out there. J.R. Smith, yes, the J.R. Smith, who uh, um, Can't thought the game time. was tied yep. and uh, yep. <laughs> decided to just pull it out. Unreal. Very interesting. Yeah, Yannick, uh, uh, Joaquim Noah is Ooh. out there. He played really. Yeah, he played Florida really Gator. well with uh, uh, Memphis last year. He actually played very very well with Memphis last year. He's sitting out there, probably costing the veterans minimum. Uh, Kenneth Fareed, the manimal, he's taken a step back. I think injuries have caught up with him. And then we've got uh, Iman Shumpert. So they could pick up two of those four guys on veteran minimums or just one guy just to bridge the gap until uh, some of these uh, some of these big-name guys come back. Uh, do you think they should? You just mentioned roll with the kids. They're playing well. But, you know, the, you, that can only take you so far. Adrenaline will... will you know, trail off and then suddenly you're mid-season with kids. Yeah, I'm not saying roll with the kids. I'm saying that there's a lot more confidence put in the kids and not only from the vet standpoint looking at the kids, but the kids standpoint saying, hey, we helped, we came back from a, a pretty big deficit. Confidence in sports in general, even any anything you do, if you're confident in it, you're better at it. That's just the way our minds and body work. So that's that. Do they roll with the kids? They got to bring some other guys in. Noah's my choice out of those picks that you have. <laughs> Obviously, from a Gator standpoint, I've seen him do yeah. great things. Um, you know, he's feisty. He's, uh, you know, aggressive, plays pretty hard. If we can get him for a minimum, you know, I'd like to see him play for Toronto. I'd like to, yeah. to, to see him contribute for, uh, fill in for the injuries. But uh, I, they do need to bring somebody in, if not a couple guys in. Um, not spend you know tons of money. They're not looking for the all stars. They don't need uh, uh, to go into uh, the hole for that kind of stuff. They just need guys to fill in until uh, our injuries come back. 
Uh, these injuries are a blessing and a curse. The, the curse is these guys are out, but the blessing is you're seeing what you got with Chris Boucher and with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Patrick McCaw, who I think just the last couple of games, I think he's going to fall off the uh, fall off the depth chart. He just had, he's yeah, just yeah. not playing very well. Um, Raptors are 21-9. and nine. Real quick take. You think that's where they should be, underachieving or overachieving? I think they're they're overachieving in my mind. Um, from if you would ask me at the beginning of the season, I don't know if they were at that level. They're they're playing better than I thought they would. I thought they'd be in contention. I still think that like I thought they were going to get to the playoffs and even get to the final. But I didn't know they would be playing as well as they are right now. I thought they'd have to kind of find a few other uh, pieces and kind of mesh properly and sort of have a slower start once Kawhi was kind of gone. Um, and I wasn't sure how uh, Siakam was going to take over that role and uh, was he ready to take that next step? And, and everything's gone fairly well for them. So I think I, in my mind, they've overachieved. We're seeing the value of Kyle Lowry and uh, his leadership and his ability to score the ball at, at, a, at a point guard position. He's pretty small. But we're also seeing the emergence of Fred Van Vliet and, and uh, Pascal Siakam. Yeah. And OG Anunoby has, has really improved his game. Uh, he looks like he's healthy and he's uh, athletic. So uh, Terrence Davis, they've got some guys. Anyway, the Raptors, I think, uh, at 21-9 and nine is probably where they should be um, based on the fact that the, some of these guys have stepped up. Overachieve, underachieve, I'd say they're right in the middle. I'd say they're right where they should be um, at 21-9. and nine. Uh, they're going to have their hands full. We'll see if Masai pulls a trigger at the trade deadline for something or picks up a, a veteran guy to, to bridge the gap until these uh, injured guys come back. But cool. anyway, um, my next question for you, do you believe NFL teams should uh, sit their starters if they've locked into their playoff position? Uh, I mean, specifically week 18 or 19, whatever 17. it is. 17. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, fantasy football and like all those other aspects of it. It's like preseason to a point. You know, if you're buying tickets to a week 17 game, you got to understand. You say, you know, going into it that somebody's not going to be playing. Um, because the last thing you want, like preseason, they talk about it being too long and maybe there's injuries and maybe whatever. If you have an injury in preseason, you know, maybe they're back eight games in for a long injury. You're still not too bad if you can you can manage it. But if you lose, uh, you know, I mean, Mark Ingram has a calf thing he pulled last game. Mark Andrews, their best tight end, got something, a concussion or something. Um, I don't know if Lamar Jackson, you know, was taking hits. And you say, you know what, we're going into the playoffs. The best season that Baltimore's had since 2001 or something like that. And you have your three offensive stars either hurt or potential. Do you take that risk? Hell no. You got to sit them. That's just the way it is. You have uh, to sit them, and uh, football is just not a game where uh, you can half-ass your way through it and play, you know, maybe don't run as hard, maybe don't throw as hard and just kind of manage that game. You can't do that in football. You'll get destroyed, so you have to sit them. And why not? I mean, let somebody else play in, the, in that system and because you never know. The next game, your, your star may actually get hurt during a playoff one. You need somebody else to step in. The more experience and the more reps that your backups get, you know, the safer you'll be should uh, an injury occur. I have to agree with you. And I think the only, the only catch for me 
is momentum and momentum continuity momentum yeah, yeah. Uh, uh you, you know you've, you're on such a hot streak and in the ravens case specifically because they're going to get a buy now you're looking at two weeks without the starters so that's where the only concern is for me i could see that for sure for a team that has to play ne- not the, not this weekend but the following weekend right after you know as in the first week of the playoffs like the wild card round okay i see that being okay why would i play my starters on in week 17 but for a team like Baltimore, who, you know, and and New England, who are going to get two weeks off, you know, th- that's a long break, and I, I I don't know I it's tricky I but I I for sure you know to risk somebody getting injured, uh, someone taking a hit, a concussion, a broken leg, something where it's going right. to be you're out for the year. You know, you could come back in a week from a, a pulled hammy if you get the right treatment. But you know, I get it, I, and I'm with you 100. percent So there's continuity. Um, there's the I get that part. But they've had the whole season to get there. It's not something you forget, you know, within a week. But the other thing is, is if you have a buy, so now you're two weeks off. Now it becomes a, a an emphasis on the coaching and what they yeah. decide to do. So you ramp up your practices. Maybe you don't take liberties on your quarterback, but you ramp up the intensity to ensure and and get as close to a a game kind of scenario as possible without the factor of a, t- a team, an opposition who wants to take you out of the game. So it, it becomes managing practice and uh, the intensity during those two weeks to kind of keep everybody fresher on, on their toes, you know? Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. And my last take on, uh, on some of these quick takes that we're talking about here is, as we all know, Boxing Day usually starts the World Junior Tournament, which is... yeah. Might be my favorite hockey of the year, next to Olympic hockey with the big ice. Um, By the same token, have you watched any NHL in the last couple weeks? Have you? Do you take take make a concerted effort to sit down and watch your team, which is I think is the Leafs, right? Um, Leafs, Sens. I don't. No, I haven't. Um, It's been uh, college football and. NFL fantasy football that I've been following in the last little while. So no, I have not sat down to uh, actively watch a hockey game. That doesn't usually start for me until the bowl games are over and probably the Super Bowl, to be honest. Interesting. I went to uh, the Sens game two Saturdays ago and it was, that was the first time I was really entertained at a, at a hockey game and three things happened. Um, One, there was enough scoring to keep me interested. Yeah. And they weren't just like chipping goals. There were guys making quality moves, quality passes, you know, some skill involved. And sorry, I should, I should be careful what I say. There's always skill involved. It's just like nice shots that were not deflected or banged in or just some nice moves. Yeah, some no nice garbage goals, and, no like just yeah. the hard worker stuff that yeah. you can appreciate from a coaching standpoint. But from a yeah. fan seat, you're like, well, that wasn't really as entertaining as... Uh, you know, the other type style, the end ends or the, you know, nice one timers, that kind of stuff. Duclair had a hat trick and one goal was a beautiful. Oh, that was the game you're at. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. That was awesome. It was a great game. And he, he, there was one other one. It was a two on one and he, he, uh, he had a saucer. Someone made him a saucer pass. Amazing. It it bounced up and he hit it out of the air. Like it was, I was like, wow, this is crazy. And there was a fight and I, that's all again, another podcast, but it, it was, Hey, Borowitzki hit a guy into the boards, and then you could tell he didn't want to fight, but he had to because the 
the other guy on the, on the, yep. the Columbus team ch- said, look, we got, we got to, it was kind of a token fight after the fight. They didn't even, there wasn't jarring. They sort of went back to the penalty box, but it, you know, it was exciting. Like it got the fans involved. Uh, overtime. Over, it went into overtime. There was some, there were, yeah, that was the third thing that happened. Overtime. Uh, and, and it wasn't the shootout. Someone scored in the overtime, which Duclair was good. Duclair scored like, his third goal for the hat trick, and he had played. Yeah. This was Duclair, who played for Columbus and was called out by yeah. Tortorella for being a guy yeah. who doesn't get the system, and he'll probably never get the system. My quotations there. And then Duclair lights him up for a hattie. Good for you. I was pumped, and Duclair was playing hard, and I, I think he's been playing hard all year, but I'm, I'm rooting for that guy 100%. So, But apart from that, I've been more disappointed than than excited to watch hockey games whether it's been live or on television for the sheer uh, entertainment value so um i just wanted to get your take on if you've actually sat down and watch hockey uh, you you will uh, after college football is done for you and i guess that'll yeah. be sort of the time where the teams start jockeying for position in hockey too but uh, i i just i try i've tried and i haven't been able to yet maybe it's because it's the sort of mid-season lull if you will yeah it's Again, you're you're ramping up in a couple of sports, so naturally those other sports that aren't ramping up at this ramping up at this point take a sort of a backseat to it. You know, like the playoff yeah. picture in the NFL, and you know the games have a lot more meaning. And again, that's my argument for why college football is great because you kind of have that throughout the season. It's like, okay, who's making, who's jockeying for position, and the, every week matters. NFL is getting to that point now too. So, um, you know, that's where your focus is. Fantasy football is my focus. Those who don't know, back to back champs. Whoop, whoop. Congratulations, Brock. That's probably a good way to, okay. It's a good plug. It's probably a good way to end this show, I think. Yeah, I'm going to ask uh, you one question. Yeah. National Signing Day just came and went the top eight classes are as follows clemson number one they had six five-star recruits sign with them which is crazy clemson alabama osu ohio state lsu georgia auburn texas a&m and florida i i I went to top eight because i had to put florida in there why do you think these so you know again clemson ohio state lsu Actually, Oklahoma's not on there. That's uh, I should see where they are. But there's three out of the top eight that are in the playoffs right now. Why do you think these players are signing with these teams? Like, what would why oh, Oklahoma's number eleven? It's okay. So out of the top eleven, all four playoff teams are in there right now. Well, you know, you asked me this. Uh, you had brought this up couple days ago and i've had a chance to think about it and i really haven't been able to come up with uh any solid answer eric dickerson maybe said it best uh, you know this my grandma bought me that car right i I don't i don't you know (laughs) i don't i don't know i think is is there money involved are these bigger schools are they able to provide uh a better school experience for these kids are this are the home visits just blowing these kids away is there money involved or is it just a success of the programs are we just seeing a uh, a phase in college football where, you know, LSU, who've been, uh, you know, a juggernaut for the last few years. I'll tell you what, when I was watching college football when I was in high school, LSU wasn't that this big a, a power. So they've developed the program. They've developed probably facilities, just like Carleton University in Ottawa has developed basketball facilities. That's why they get all the top recruits. That's I mean, it's the only example I can use uh, to compare locally. 
So I couldn't give you an answer other than these programs are probably providing the best school experience for these kids. And if I don't know if there's money involved, you tell me. You you would know more about this than I would. What what's your take on that? Well, the success of a program does uh, come into play because the familiarity that a player has with the team uh, a lot of times is based on what you know. So if you're not growing up with a favorite team and you're watching TV and every time on prime time television are these big schools, Alabama's, Clemson's, Ohio State, you know, you start getting that familiarity with them. Now they're also being successful. These programs are dominating. There's a lot of talk. Everybody loves these teams. A lot of these kids just want to go and be part of that. So I always had the issue of like, well, why would if you were, you know, a, a stud and you're like, am I going to go to Alabama and just be another guy? Or will I go to maybe, a, a, I don't know, a Florida State or something where they're a bit of a downswing, but I'm going to be a reason for us coming back to uh, the upper echelons? Or, um, uh, you know, just do you want to be part of that cog or do you want to go forward? So, you know, some of it, there's a few guys that are top-notch uh, uh, recruits that were recruited by you know real top SEC teams, which in my argument is still the best conference. But you know even Big Ten, Big Twelve, but then they chose to go to like an Oregon in the Pac-12. And I'm like, well, why would you go to Oregon where the competition of the Pac-12 is not great? You know, you're just you're not making yourself a better player. So it was like, are you taking the easy road because it's just it's an easier conference? It's going to make me look better. But the other thing I started thinking about was the um, think of Joe Burrows. Did you see his Heisman acceptance speech? I did. And he was like breaking down and he was talking about his coach, Orgeron, and, and the impact he had and like the chance he gave him and like that. You know, the coach is like tearing up. Burrows is tearing up. I got to tell you, if you're a recruit and your LSU's on your board and you're looking at this relationship you have with your coach, you're like, I want that. So if you're going to a program <clears throat> that may not be as successful, that generally also means that the security of your coach may also not be there. Because if you're not winning, you don't have that security as much. He could get let go at any point. All these yeah. programs are successful programs and have coaches that have been there for a long time or likely will be there for a long time. I guess Ryan Day with Ohio State is kind of the new one. Orgeron is also fairly new, but um, you know that if Ohio State keeps playing the way they're playing, he's not going anywhere. LSU, same idea. He's not going anywhere. But then you got Dabble Sweeney and Saban and uh, Kirby Smart and Gus Malzahn and um, uh, Jumbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And then you know, Dan Mullen is fairly new with the Gators, so we'll give him some time. But those are the kind of guys you say, you know what, if I have a relationship with my coach, I know these guys are going to be around for a while. And I think that's, I think that's playing into a lot more of the kid's decision than anything else, which I can really appreciate because, you know, I wish I had done that. Just make sure these kids are having the same relationship with their position coaches because that's where I screwed up and I did not have that. Um, and I would have changed that in a heartbeat, and I emphasize that with all the kids that I, that I coach. But that's where I'm uh, leaving it. That's why I think that the uh, – um, the coaches are having a real big effect on, on what these kids are signing with. And, um, you know, when you do that, when you have success and you have a coach that's consistent, you're getting recruits and it's just a constant turnover and you just keep winning and winning and winning. 
Hey, you don't have to look much further than NCAA basketball. The same concept applies. These there's, there's no coincidence that the same four teams are the top four every year. You know, you look at North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, and Kentucky. And those coaches have been there forever. Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, coaches. Oh, Michigan State. I forgot about Michigan State. Yep. You know, Coach Krzyzewski, look at, if you ever have, if you have a chance to go on YouTube, look at Christian Leitner's, uh, after his last game when he was uh, going to get drafted as a pro. I saw it. And he was talking about his coach. He was just breaking down into t- absolute tears about how much he loved his coach and uh, what his coach did for him as a, as a person, let alone a basketball player. So, yeah, you know, uh, those some of these coaches have a way to reach kids. And, you know, of course, they sell the success of the program too. And those are probably the, the main factors. And yep. I, we could talk about money and college corruption on a whole other podcast. I don't know if that's really that prevalent anymore with, with the sanctions that are, are laid down if you're, if you're caught, but I'm sure it exists. But when we talk about just peer coaches recruiting, I mean, those two sports definitely share a lot of, a lot of uh, similarities. So, um, Brock, you want to ask me about um, strategic, overcoming a deficit or, or having a really good first half in any sport and which sport provides the best advantage at halftime for a team to make adjustments? Yeah. We're going to have to get back to that, I think, on our next podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a longer a discussion of, than, uh, than just a quick take. And I'd like yeah, to get into that a bit more with, uh, with you and a, and a couple of the guys, probably. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So I look forward to answering that. And I look forward to uh, an amazing 2020 with you, pal. It's been a, an awesome 2019. We started doing this in the summer. And uh, it's taken off a lot faster than I thought it would. And it, it's been great. And I'm, uh, on a, I'm on route to potentially upgrade our, uh, our systems. Nice. Uh, certainly from my end anyways. So hopefully we'll have less, fewer glitches. But although this one, this went without a hitch. Not so I bad. I do think the, a big part of it is uh, when I'm on a, when I'm on a, uh, a busy, during a busy time, if I'm on the internet during a busy time, it affects the FaceTime that we use and the iPad that I'm currently using is a little bit older. So bear with us. Uh, you know, thank you for tolerating some of the glitches. Brock's always really good at editing this stuff afterwards and makes me sound better than I probably am. <laughs> so um, anyway, B-Boy, I just want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and a safe. I'm sure I'll see you in the next couple of days. But 100%. Um, yeah, man. Hey, it's turkey time, present time, family time. Enjoy it. Enjoy a little bit of... Uh, a rest and relaxation uh, with your mother, newly retired. And um, yeah, man, looking forward to 2020. It's been awesome. It's been a great start and uh, looking to continue to improve. So we're going to go out to, uh, actually, I was going to go out to Young MC Bust the Move just for the karaoke honor, but uh, instead I end up being football champion. So we're going out to a different song. Everybody have a great, safe holiday, and we will see you back here in 2020. Peace out. Stay there.